You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Friday, it's another victorious edition of Locked On Pelicans. The Pelicans getting a surprise upset win over the Denver Nuggets on the Christmas night game, the final one of a big day filled with basketball, and the impressive performance from the Pelicans. We are going to break that one down for you, talk to you about what I saw in that game and why this is something they should be able to build on. We're then going to look at the games over the weekend. Two games, a back-to-back at home on Saturday and Sunday. And we also have some, and this is annoying, but we'll briefly mention it, comments from Anthony Davis on his time with the Pelicans in the Christmas Day game, which, by the way, the Lakers lost. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So it was a big victory for your New Orleans Pelicans on Christmas night, a 112-100 win over the Denver Nuggets in Denver, a very tough place to play over a streaking Nuggets team that had won seven in a row. They fall to 21-9 now. New Orleans moves to 9-23. This is a pretty complete win for New Orleans overall. 12 points is pretty significant, and it never really felt, particularly in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter, that the Nuggets were ever really going to close this and kind of take over and you felt comfortable in New Orleans kind of just cruising to victory similar to their win over the uh, Trailblazers the other night by the numbers Brandon Ingram was excellent in this one 31 points on the night 11 of 18 from the field 7 of 9 from deep those 7 made 3's are a career high for him 2 of 2 from the line 7 rebounds 2 assists 2 turnovers 2 steals a block he was flat out awesome aggressive and attacking but also realizing his shot was falling and taking open threes when he had them, just recognizing what was working and going out and do that. And sometimes that's all you need. Drew Holiday, equally awesome in this one. 20 points on the night for him, 8 of 18 shooting, the 1 of 7 from deep. So he made 7 non-threes. He was aggressive and driving and trying to get into the paint and score. And he's very good at that when he's in that mindset. He doesn't go to the line a lot because he uses his body to create space and avoid contact. And you saw him do it. He gets his butt into guys when he kind of uh, drives down low and uses that to kind of create a little bit of space a whole bunch and he did it a ton 20 points on the night is excellent for him eight assists four rebounds as well six steals just getting his arms in the passing lane and abusing some of these guys when he they they were uh his offensive mark you had him switched on to paul Millsap a couple of times and as we've learned bigs in the post think they can take drew holiday they can't and he turned those into a couple of turnovers for himself, for the Pelicans, leading this team to the victory. J.J. Redick was hot from deep in this game at times. He was 2 of 7 overall from there, but there were some really big ones, including one right at the half that he banked in that was just absurd. 15 points on the night for him, scoring in other ways too, particularly in the second quarter when he really got things going. You had Lonzo Ball in the starting lineup, and we'll talk about him in a moment here. 10 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists on 4 of 13 shooting. 
but he felt far more impactful than those bad shooting numbers say, and I'll explain why. But the big star of the night, at least for me, other than Brandon Ingram, I guess, he had a pretty good night, is Derek Favors. Eight points, 13 boards, and eight assists on the night. He also had three blocks. You're seeing the difference that a healthy Derek Favors makes for this team and can really go out and provide rim protection and just communication on defense. This is another opponent that the New Orleans Pelicans are holding to 100 or less. They don't do that all that often. Now we're seeing it kind of happen in bunches here, coinciding with the return of Derek Favors. I don't think that's just a coincidence. I don't think it's only him. But after this game, he said, we're communicating more. And you can see him calling out what's going on down low. Your center should be the quarterback of a defense because they can kind of see everything from where they are below the basket looking out. He's also been in the league for a significant amount of time, 10 plus years. That means you've learned a lot and you kind of know what to expect and what's coming. And being able to make those callouts really helps a team. You even just see the communication kind of filtering down to everyone else. And this is why I don't think it's only Derek Favors who's responsible for all of this. There was a point in, I think, the third or fourth quarter, I forget which, I think the third, there was a great switch between Etwan Moore and Josh Hart. Big was coming over, setting the pick that looked like Etwan Moore was going to try and go through. They kind of communicated and said, switch. Josh Hart took the ball handler. Each one more kind of grabbed and wrapped up the roll man there just to slow him down a little bit in a non-foul way. And cool. They ended that possession because of it, or they didn't allow, you know, an open shot or a roll man to just kind of wreck havoc going through the defense with no one defending him. Just communicating like that creates some better things on defense. Derek Favors was also great offensively in this one. Eight assists is a career high for him. He was tremendous as a role man in the pick and roll. That short pick and roll, he's really, really good at. He gets the ball. The defense, you know, falls on him because he commands attention. And then he just kicks it out. He found open shooters, and he does it instantly. You talk about a read-and-react defense for the Pelicans and what Alvin Gentry wants. Derek Favors is the epitome of being able to read and react. Gets the ball, realizes he's double-teamed, finds the open man, gets the ball to him. He had six assists in the first half. Eight is a career high. Six was as well. He was awesome in this game. Off the bench, each one more and Josh Hart were great for the Pelicans. Hitting shots, six made threes between the two of them. Josh Hart, 16 points, each one more 10. Both really got it going in the first and second quarters of this one. You've got to just love what Josh Hart does. 16 points, nine rebounds off the bench in 30 minutes is pretty good. Four of five shooting from deep, also great. Exactly what you want to see, kind of just doing a lot of the dirty work for this. So let's talk about Lonzo Ball, because he had a first half to forget. Just not great whatsoever. But in the second half, he really came alive and showed you why people have been so high on him and continue to be high on him, despite not playing great. The numbers aren't good. 10 points, eh, whatever. 4 of 13 shooting, not great. 2 of 8 from 3, also not good. 9 rebounds, fine. 3 assists, eh. But overall, the way he gets this team into their offense and in the style they want to play in the fast break, running after makes or misses, he does it better than anyone else on this team does. And when he's really fulfilling that role, getting out and just running, running at the rim as fast as he can, either to score or to dump it off as he did to Jackson Hayes in that unbelievably impressive kind of spin behind the back move, I don't know what you'd call it, can really help this team win a whole bunch of games. Now, he didn't do great defensively in the first half, but he started to come alive on that side in the second half, and overall kind of still gives you a bit of an incomplete grade if you wanted to do that. 
But he was good in the second half and really helped this team get a victory, and he needs to do more of that. Guys who just know what their role is and can go out and do their role are really effective. And when he's not trying to do too much, you're not a shooter, Lonzo Ball. Go out and drive and attack, even if it's not in the half court, that's what you want to see from him. He's not good in the half court offensively, but when he can get out in transition, and again, he gets the Pelicans out in transition better than anyone else, he's a real big factor for the Pelicans. Overall, though, a nice team victory despite a bunch of turnovers in the first half, kind of never really letting this one get away from them or allowing the Denver Nuggets to get right back into this game when at times it looked like they might, but New Orleans answered good communication on the defensive side of the ball, and that stuff kind of leads to victories. Not too bad to see from the team on Christmas Day. Now they're 3-1 and one on this four-game road trip, getting more road victories than they had all season combined to this point. You can build off of this. The communication is good. You've probably given up too many three-pointers. But overall, this is exactly what you want to see from this team right now. So don't forget, subscribe to Locked on Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for y'all normally when it's not the holidays, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. You're excited about the Christmas Day win. I'm excited about the Christmas Day win. I'm excited because Zion's going to be coming back kind of soon. We'll talk about that in the next segment uh, before we get to the previews of everything as well and also the Anthony Davis stuff. So wherever you get your podcast from, subscribe to Locked on Pelicans. Tell a friend about the show too. Spread the word around. That's always helpful. And leave a five star review with a comment when you get a chance again subscribe to locked on pelicans wherever you get your podcast from so anthony davis spoke after the game on christmas day where the lakers lost to the clippers kind of blowing it in the fourth quarter and letting a big lead slip away in the second half not a big lead but a lead slip away in the second half where the clippers just kind of overpowered them lebron got hurt all sorts of stuff and he seemed a little frustrated but he seemed happy to be playing on christmas day so all of a sudden you're starting to hear him speak a little bit when it comes to his time with the pelicans we don't need to rehash those you've probably seen them on twitter they're just big Basically, an outright liar, revisionist history, and dumb. And as I've said, everyone probably just needs to move on. Pelicans fans, also AD, who keeps trying to control the narrative of the past, even though it's pretty obvious what's happened, and players, including Alfred Payton, have come out to contradict him. It just shows that this is a dude who still doesn't get it. No one's upset that you wanted to go to the Lakers or wanted to be traded. It's the way you went about it. And he was trying to say that he almost didn't get traded there because there was some bad blood between the organization and him. Look, there's some of that to be true. But at the end of the day, the Pelicans were going to do what's best for the organization. And that was trading him to the Lakers. So they did. So bad blood, if it even existed, even though I think a little bit of it was there. I don't think it ended up mattering. You have to get the best trade possible. And that was not what the Lakers offered at the trade deadline to the point where they did insult the Pelicans with this. And then the way things went from that was just really dumb and not going to help AD's cause at all. So overall, this is just a big non-story. Again, trying to control the narrative shows that he doesn't get it. And it's like when I was talking about on the podcast uh, last week saying that it could be worse. It could be worse if we were still dealing with this crap on a daily basis. Also, when I did the It Could Be Worse podcast talking about the Colts and Saints game a couple of years ago in Indy when I went to Chicago with Mason Ginsburg. Want to shout out my friend, good friend, bourbon connoisseur extraordinaire, Tyler Brown, who got mad at me for not mentioning him. Rightfully so. Here you go, Tyler. Uh, I don't. I think it's at Ty Ty Brown on Twitter. We'll even shout that out if you need some good bourbon recommendations. I have no doubt he can give you that. Uh, so there you go. 
So cool, it could be worse and we could still be dealing with this in reminder of how bad last season was and that even with Zion being out, but it sounds like that's gonna change somewhat soon, is only gonna be good things going forward and the future still looks bright. And speaking of Zion, we had uh, Jorge Sedano, the sideline reporter for the game last night, saying he spoke to Zion, kind of giving us a little bit more insight into what is going on with his rehab and return to the court. And Andrew Lopez, our good friend of ESPN.com now, wrote it back up and he shed some clarification on this today, of which I've been a little bit mistaken when I've spoken to. The, they talked about how they're trying to do some sort of reteaching him, tweaking of how he runs and walks. And I was on the radio with Gus Kattengill yesterday saying basically it sounds like he's trying to relearn how to walk, which is not what I meant. And it's just a poor phrase of word choice that maybe it's a bit of a concern that you're kind of going through some of this stuff. But I don't think, according to Andrew Lopez, that this is anything to be concerned about. You know, they're having him make changes mechanically to make sure that he'll be better off long term. And that's a line from one of his tweets. It's just like changing a shot. And it's more just minor tweaks that they are doing just to make things better for him. Not relearning, just slightly different from what it was before. So they're going through all of that with Zion Williamson. He's playing some drills, but not cleared for uh, five on five and contact drills like that. So we should see him at some point, hopefully this month, but I'm not sure exactly when this month, next month, January, uh, but I'm not exactly sure when. I don't think they're putting a timetable on it, but certainly it seems like this is coming sooner rather than later at this point in time. So two games coming up for your Pelicans over the weekend. First up Saturday against the Indiana Pacers, the tied for fifth in the Eastern Conference with a record of 21 and 10. This should be a decent-ish test for New Orleans to really see where they are. Defensively, they're in the top 10. Offensively, they're around the middle of the pack. This is a game that New Orleans could continue their good defensive run with, particularly because Indiana doesn't match up horribly well with what New Orleans kind of gives up. They don't take an absolute ton of threes, but when they do, they make them. So I'm not worried about them necessarily trying to burn New Orleans from deep in terms of quantity, but when they get those looks, you need to close out on these guys pretty quickly. Victor Oladipo should be coming back somewhat soon for them, but I don't think he's there just yet. Um, but eventually we'll be back there on the court, led by new addition Malcolm Brogdon, 18.3 points per game. Sabonis, 17.8 points per game. TJ Warren, who was a good move for them, 17.7 points per game. They're very good at limiting attempts at the rim and good shot attempts, so New Orleans can't be careless with the ball. They can't just rip bad shots early on in the shot clock. This is one of those ones where maybe you need to slow it down and try and manufacture the right type of looks. Then on Sunday, they take on the Houston Rockets, uh, which should be a pretty fun game to watch. Houston just upset by the Golden State Warriors on Christmas Day in a bit of a surprise blowout loss, which is not what we expected uh, whatsoever to see from that game. James Harden kind of ineffective, not really trying to do much. Uh, Russell Westbrook also not playing particularly great in that one. And basically, teams just kind of double-teaming the Houston Rockets lead man and James Harden are starting to have some success against them because Russell Westbrook is just so unbelievably inefficient at times that teams aren't scared of playing four on three against him, which is what is happening a lot. I'm going to be curious to see how New Orleans tries to defend the Rockets in this one. In years past, we've seen them come up with some creative schemes. I don't know if we'll see that again in this one, 
but I'm sure we'll find out. So enjoy the games this weekend. Enjoy your holiday season as it keeps rolling on. And that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. We'll be back on Monday to recap the game. Probably a both games, probably a show on Tuesday. Not sure what the rest of the week is going to be just yet when it comes to the show. Probably off on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day as well and kind of do a similar schedule to what we had this week. So stay tuned for more. We'll have a lot coming. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and we'll be back with you all on Monday. Monday.